Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome into Soccer Morning, brought to you by World Soccer Talk. Thank you very much for for partaking in the program today. Big, big show for you on a Thursday morning. Not only do we have Champions League to talk about and review, and we'll do some of that with one of our guests, we also have uh, a showdown in New York over the turf. Turf Wars, say the New York tabloids. Love it. Between NYCFC and the New York Yankees. You knew it was coming. The U.S. Women's National Team. All the headlines. We're going to get into all the headlines. We can also talk about the Gold Cup groups and schedule coming out in about half an hour. That's dropping via live stream somewhere at CONCACAF.com. But when I said it's a big show, what I meant and the reason I meant that is because Yanis Mahalik will join us in about 10 minutes to do that Champions League review. Maybe to talk some MLS, good stuff there. Yanish with his eye on everything, one of the best analysts in American soccer, calling games day-to-day, week-to-week. And then at 10.30, Brad Guzon, yes, your number one for Aston Villa, your number one for the U.S. men's national team. When does Tim Howard's sabbatical run out? What's going to happen then, exactly? Does, does Klinsman just turn the keys back over to, to Tim Howard? What does Brad Brad Guzan do? How does Brad Guzan take that? I'd be curious to know. We'll find out. We'll ask him a couple other questions, obviously about the season at Aston Villa. It's been a difficult one, pulling themselves out of the relegation zone with a win over West Brom last week, and then getting into the FA Cup semifinals with another win over West Brom. He was not playing in that game. They go to Wembley. I hope Brad Guzan gets a chance to play at Wembley. We'll see what Tim Sherwood does at Aston Villa. All right, ahead of all of that, let's get into the headlines. Got plenty of stuff to talk about off the top. As I mentioned, Champions League, let's review those results yesterday. Bayern Munich absolutely demolished Shakhtar Donetsk at home in Munich, 7 nothing. They scored a touchdown on Shakhtar. No surprise they beat Shakhtar. Surprise they beat them 7 nothing. Okay, maybe. But that, that game wasn't really what everybody's focus was, unless you just wanted to watch absolute destruction. The focus was on Chelsea and PSG. Came into the game in Stanford, at Stanford Bridge, the second leg, with Chelsea holding a slim advantage via the away goal that they scored in Paris. And that game was just bonkers, back and forth. Uh, obviously, Tim K, or sorry, Tim, uh, Gary Cahill scoring the goal for Chelsea. You thought, okay, look, Chelsea's got this. They're, they're in. They're, they're going to go win it. Then David Luiz scores for PSG and celebrates and then apologizes today or yesterday, whatever. Apologize. Don't apologize, David, David Luiz. Just celebrate the damn goal. You scored. PSG pays you, you, gives you your paycheck. And then we had, uh, then we had Chelsea go up again. Who scored the second goal for Chelsea, Trevor? This game, this game is escaping me. I have the details here. Oh, the penalty. That's right. You had uh, Thiago Silva with an absolutely insane decision to put his hand in the air. Penalty scored by Chelsea. They're up 2-1 to one in the game. You think, okay, now they, they've got a 3-2 advantage. Yeah, Hazard scored the penalty. And they're going to go on and win. But you had, you obviously had, um, I'm sorry, you had the score tied 2-2 at that point. And Thiago Silva scores a goal in extra time. I'm, I'm missing something. I'm missing a goal or something. But whatever, the game was insane. The game was fantastic. Thiago Silva scores an extra time. PSG goes on to beat Chelsea, shockingly so, at Stamford Bridge and moves on to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Is this the year 
PSG actually does something major in this competition. Zlatan, I didn't even mention Zlatan's red card. Zlatan Ibrahimovic sent off. PSG playing most of that game down a man. Somehow they got this done down to 10 men. What, what happened to Chelsea? I also discovered yesterday that people really don't like Diego Costa. That's not really a surprise, but just the uh, level of vitriol in my timeline. <laughs> Uh, U.S. Women's National Team beat France 2-0 in the final of the Algarve Cup to lift that trophy for the 10th time. This is a win that gives some people confidence that the, the Women's National Team is actually headed in a good direction ahead of the World Cup this summer. Goals from Julie Johnston and Kristen Press. That goal from Kristen Press. Go watch that thing. Watch the afterburners that that girl has. Absolutely stunning goal from Kristen Press. And the U.S. women win. Hope Solo also stopped a penalty late in that game. To uh, to maintain the shutout, her 81st national team shutout. That sounds like a lot of shutouts. I, I think that's that, that's a lot. 81. As I mentioned, a war of words erupting in New York ahead of NYC FC's home opener this weekend. The field not quite ready. The press uh, being blocked off from seeing what the what was happening on the field. A couple of people managed to get a glimpse. It doesn't look good. The entire left field, uh, outfield section is just a mess, or was. I'm sure they've laid some sod now. And here's your, here's what the New York uh, New York tabloids went with. Somebody, which one went with turf wars, Trevor? You're 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 the connoisseur. <laughs> I think the Daily News on the back page of the Daily News it said sod. What was it? <laughs> sod something. It, it went, they went with a sod pun. It wasn't very good. I'm a big fan of turf wars. And you have a battle of words in the press, as I mentioned, with Mark Teixeira, first baseman, designated hitter from your New York Yankees, not mine, yours, saying that he's not too happy, that this isn't great. Jacoby Ellsbury saying something to the same effect. And then Jason Christ saying, you know, I can't control it. What, you know, what about, what about our field? What about them affecting our field? Now, of course, Everybody knows who the big brother is in this situation. Everybody knows that the Yankees are, it's the Yankees, it's their stadium. Is it okay for the players to be spouting off about having concerns over the field conditions because they're putting a soccer team in that building? I'm kind of back and forth on that. Kind of feel like it's sour grapes. Let it go, just play your game. But your, uh, the surface is important. And soccer players concern, complain about surface all the time. Why can't the, the baseball players do the same? As I mentioned, the Gold Cup groupings and schedule we announced today at 1030. So we've got about 23 minutes until that happens. We'll keep an eye on that for you. The U.S. U-17s had a chance to qualify for the U-17 World Cup in Chile later this year by beating Jamaica yesterday, and they did not get it done. Richie Williams' team lost one nothing in a surprise. They must, they must win on Sunday now to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, the, the youth programs for the U.S. men's national team, how are you feeling about those? They're not really impressing these days. This was interesting. came out yesterday as well. I saw it first from our friend Dan Dickinson, Gothamist Dan on Twitter. Uh, it was via an AP wire report. The 2010 MLS CBA, and I made a point of saying on Twitter, when the new deal was done, that we never actually saw the text of the old deal. Well, here's why. There was no actual old deal. It never got completed. There was a memorandum of, of, of understanding that adjusted some of the previous CBA's wording. 
some of the uh, provisions in the original CBA signed by the players of the league were updated in 2010, but there was no completed, signed, sealed, delivered CBA. I, I, I guess this is so this has happened before in other sports. Seems strange to me. The other news out of the uh, CBA negotiations is that rosters have been cut by two, so from 30 down to 28, while salaries rise. I'm not sure that's a big deal, especially considering that players down at that end of the, of the roster rarely play. Diego Forlan has announced his international retirement from Uruguay, 112 caps, 36 goals. I believe he is the all-time cap leader for Uruguay. So there goes Diego Forlan and his shock of blonde hair. Let's take a break. When we come back, Yanis Mihalik, co-commentator extraordinaire, will join us. We'll talk MLS. We'll talk Champions League. Maybe we'll talk Diego Forlan. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. You're talking too loud. Hey there, it's Jason Davis, and if you're like me and love playing fantasy soccer games, I want to let you know about a fantastic new game called Draft11.com. This is not your usual fantasy soccer game. Draft11.com is different for two major reasons. First, it's a daily fantasy soccer game, and second, it gives you an opportunity to win cash. So instead of playing an entire season and competing against, say, the 3 million people who play Fantasy Premier League and winning nada, You can play Draft11.com over one match day against up to 10 people. And if your team wins, you win. Cash, not points. So go ahead and support our new sponsor that's helping bring Soccer Morning to you every single day. Head over to Draft11.com, sign up for a free account, and take a shot at trying to win some cold, hard cash. Thanks. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, brought to you by World Soccer Talk. On the phone line with me now, Yanis Mihalik. Uh, you probably heard him calling some game, some many, many games, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's all over the place, Fox, ESPN, and the like. Yanis, uh, how are you, sir? I am doing well, Jason. How's it going, guys? Uh, it's going. It's going well. Uh, let's uh, let's talk some Champions League, Yanis, because it's been yeah. quite the week of Champions League uh, ties. Uh, the round of sixteen here delivering some pretty fascinating storylines. Whether whether the soccer has been good or not, I think is a different question. But certainly, we've had some fascinating things happen. I- I'm going to start with yesterday, just because it's so fresh. Uh, PSG taking mm-hmm. out Chelsea the way that they did. Um, this is stunning for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's Jose Mourinho. He's at home. He's at Stanford Bridge. He has a slim advantage in terms of the, the way goal uh, after the, the Paris leg. And it's PSG who has yet to show that they have the, the mental fortitude to cross these hurdles. Were you surprised by the way things played out yesterday? Well, of course. I mean, as you've mentioned, I mean, it's Stanford Bridge, uh, which usually is a fortress, isn't it? Uh, you have a man up, as you've mentioned. It's 81st minute and Chelsea are leading. How often do Mourinho teams give that away, right? I mean, they usually, even if it's nil-nil, they, you know, that they need, they, they don't give it away. So, of course, it's a, it's a huge surprise, but, uh, you know, I think we're surprised, Jason, maybe because, uh, we don't pay, we don't truly pay attention to PSG and we always see what happens in the league owned and sometimes they're, you know, disinterested maybe, you know, because it's, it's been easy last two seasons. 
It hasn't been now right now because I think there, there may be a little bit of an attitude that uh, sometimes we may just show up and, and, and that's going to be enough, which, of course, is never the case, right? Uh, but, you know, when you look at the team and you look at the sort of quality that was on display from PSG, you know, you can understand, uh, you know, why that happened. But but uh, but certainly a, a very, very big surprise. Although, you know, if you've watched Chelsea leading into this, uh, you could see some weaknesses there. You know, I mean, uh, uh, look, Jason, people, you know, are talking about did Mourinho get a ride, the starting 11, all that. I, I, I'm not sure I buy into it, uh, yeah. to be quite honest with you, because I, I don't think that he was very negative yesterday. Matter of fact, you know, if you remember the beginning of the second half, you know, I thought he, he, he was going for it. Um, I just think when you have key players of form, that's what happens. And we often don't talk about it, right? I mean, you know, Azar, you know, I didn't see much of him, not necessarily an influencing the game like he normally does, right? Mm-hmm. And times like that, you, you'd like to think that sometimes he's going to be uh, shining a little bit more than he was. Fabregas, of course, is, uh, you know, hasn't been good for a while. I mean, what about Diego Costa? I mean, he's a man that hasn't scored a goal in Champions League this season, right? He... Uh, the last time he scored in the Premier League, it was, I think, January 17th against Swansea twice. Think about that. I mean, you look at the goals and you, you see 17 in Premier League. Well, it was a great start to the season. But as of late, uh, uh, yes, he's been suspended and, you know, and all that. So you lose a little bit of rhythm. But I don't think we can be shocked. Uh, how about Matic, right? I think we all agree that, uh, you know, he's uh, one of the best or top three defensive midfielders, uh, in the world, right? Uh, he was quiet. So, I just think that uh, you have a number of key players when they don't show up, it, it, even the system, defensive or not, whatever you may think of it, it's never going to work. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, watching that game, and I believe it was, I believe it was Phil Neville on the call, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kept harping on the lack of uh, of effort from Chelsea that they weren't working hard enough. Um, you know, form is is certainly one thing. You carry that into the game. But the, 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 any, any hint at all that they didn't work hard enough, that they weren't trying to recover uh, the ball quickly enough, that they weren't putting PSG under pressure, maybe high <laughs> enough of, of the pitch. Do you buy into any of that discussion? Not, not really. I, I really don't because, A, you know, keep, you know in terms of tiredness, uh, I, I don't think that's the case. Let's not forget that, that Chelsea had a week off before this. huh? I mean, last time they played Wednesday, they didn't play on the weekends, uh, which PSG did. So, uh, yes, there's a certain amount of fatigue as the season goes on. And that's physical and psychological, you know. I mean, you, you, you're fighting on all fronts. If you're Chelsea, you won the League Cup, the top of the, you know, the Premier League. And that takes its toll. But in terms of uh, sheer tiredness, uh, you know, at the very least, they, they did have a week off before this game. Uh, but, but I think if we say that they weren't working hard in recovering the ball, again, we would have to take credit away from PSG because yeah. let's be frank, yeah. what Pastore and Verratti did in the center of that page was amazing. Mm. I mean, those two shine and, you know, sometimes you run circles around those players. You know, that short passing, the, the triangles, uh, uh, Thiago Mota, who everybody in France has been talking about, uh, uh, benching him, you know, of course came up with a big performance and he's done that in this competition, be it an Inter or wherever, wherever, he, wherever else he was. So those three were absolutely outstanding and, and Matuidi, uh, was, I mean, you know, this man can run three games, uh, straight, you know, so, so uh, I think in terms of retrieving the ball, yes, you, you're used to Mourinho teams and Chelsea teams of doing that, but I think sometimes opponents don't allow you to do that because you're nowhere near the ball. So again, Maybe it's a combination, but I don't think it was for the lack of trying. It's sometimes, you know, when you're chasing shadows, and by the way, in phases of that game, chasing Chelsea works chasing shadows because of quality of PSG. I mean, it, it, it's worth pointing out, and I actually, when I was trying to recap the game, I got 
I got my goals out of order, which was a problem. But I also failed to mention that Zlatan Ibrahimovic gets a red card half an hour into the game. Mm-hmm. Chelsea is up a man for 90 minutes. Let's not forget the 30-minute mm-hmm. extra time mm-hmm. period. And and that maybe that's why that sense came across. I mean, if if Pastore and and Verratti and and everybody was extolling the virtues of Verratti on Twitter yesterday are playing out of their minds, maybe that overcomes the the man difference. But clearly, when you have Chelsea up a man, you would expect them to be a little bit more dominant. Yeah, you do. I mean, at that stage, uh, uh, you do. I mean, in some way, psychologically, as you know, shackles are off on PSG right now. Uh, nothing to lose, in a sense, still knowing how much quality they possess. Um, um, you know, and, and you could see that coming. Yesterday, I, I was on Twitter, and I said it uh, when that happened. It says, you know, it has, uh, it, it has uh, uh, PSG scoring first written all over it. It almost came true for me with Cavani, yeah. of course, right? Uh, because yeah. I, you just have to understand that, you know, sometimes playing with 10 men doesn't change necessarily the way you need to play. I mean, you do have one mess, one man less, but not everybody always participates. So if you just go, you know, uh, you, you know, still, you know, you still have four in the back, right? You you still have, uh, uh, you know, four in the midfield if you want to put it that way. Not that it went that way in one striker. Uh, but, you know, you just thought that the longer the game goes, and certainly when it went to extra time, I just didn't think that, you know, physically. And you could see it, by the way. You could see it that the PSG, there were times they were suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, let's not forget, I mean, they scored on two set pieces. You know, mm-hmm. again, the importance of it all, they didn't score from the run of play. And and that's something that, you know, usually Chelsea, for the most part, for me, are good. But if you look at uh, Silva's goal, I mean, it, it seems like, uh, you know, a uh, 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 Terry was uh, was marking Cahill on that one. They went into each other. It's just amazing uh, what happened. Courtois mm-hmm. comes up with a huge save just seconds before the you know second one is is scored, and that's uh, that's the way it goes. That's yeah. that's why this competition is so tough. Uh, to be honest with yeah, you, yeah, I don't. I, yeah. Well, go ahead, Giannis. Sorry. No, 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 nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I I don't want to spend the entire time talking about this one game. I it just is what it was such a fascinating game. You said, as you said, PSG scored on two set pieces. Chelsea scores on a set piece and a penalty. So we had no goals mm-hmm. from the run of play. Um, that being said, David Luiz's header was one of the best headers I've ever seen. I mean, the, the thing exploded off of his head, uh, giving Courtois no chance uh, in that. Uh, so, but again, I don't want to spend the entire time talking to you. Well, about I, the I think the only thing, is, Jason, that you have, we have to mention, that, I mean, the referee with Zlatan, that's obvious, but I, I think for David Luiz, you know, and, and that elbow, that, that, yeah, by the way, right. that, that was criminal. For yeah. that not to be a red card. I mean, just really, just ask Tab Ramos against Leonardo in 94. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what, what that can do. Uh, I mean, that that to me was incredible. Not that uh, uh, Diego Costa was an angel, because both of them probably throughout the game needed to be sent off. Uh, uh, but, you know, that elbow is not getting uh, enough talk about, you know, just Good watch point. it again. Yeah. It's just off the ball. Even even television networks didn't show the replay right away. Uh, uh, but it, it's it, to me, to me, that's criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, that that to me is 10 games, if, if not more. Okay. Uh, if you really, really want to look at it, sometimes, you know, you see records for almost nothing in terms of uh, contact like this. But the, the, I still, till this moment, can't believe that one part. And again, Diego Costa, of course, uh, uh, probably throughout the game with some of the tackles that he's put in and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, needed to be off. Mm-hmm. Let's turn to Real Madrid because they advanced into the quarterfinals, Janish, but they did so in a loss to Schalke. That game, uh, you know, while while you can imagine maybe PSG giving Ch- Chelsea a run, you, you know, Chelsea's the favorite, but but you could certainly, you know, get yourself to the conclusion that maybe TS- PSG could get the job done. Nobody gave Schalke a chance, and yet here they were, 
pushing the defending cup holders, uh, the, the defending Champions League champions, to the, to the end. I mean, if not for Ronaldo mm-hmm. and, and his goals to sort of stem the tide, we could be looking at Schalke having advanced at the, at the expense of Real Madrid today. And it just brings up again the questions of whether or not there's a crisis there. And, and certainly the embarrassment that the players felt walking off the pitch yesterday was palpable. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you're going to go through the season with that. Again, you know, as a former player, I mean, it's easy for us to do that. Again, we have to remember the 22-game winning streak in all competitions, which is incredible, right? Injuries and suspensions uh, play a part. Uh, You know, look at at Tony Cross, who hasn't been good for for ages right now. Just just kind of, you know, it's difficult to imagine that when you have the likes of uh, uh, Ronaldo, Benzema, and Bale, all three could be a form for the most part, really. Not just in this particular game, but uh, in the last few games. You know, that that's something that you got to be thinking about because, uh, uh, you know, you can have one or two, but somebody's got to carry the, the, the load, of course, right? So, uh, you know, for Schalke, we, we've seen this happen. I, I, I just always think that, you know, Schalke, you know, if, if you watch Bundesliga, and I cover that, in the past, even in Bundesliga, against big teams, Schalke shows up, and then, of course, uh, you watch, they probably lose against Hertha this weekend because they often do that against smaller teams. Mm-hmm. You know, young players, when they go to a place like this, uh, you know, this is something special, right? Without pressure. Look what happened in this matchup last season. Was it like 9-2 on aggregate or something like that? You know, you lose at home 2 nothing. You really, really have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about when you go to a game like this, do you? Um, uh, so, so sometimes that goes your way, and especially when it happens early, you get fukes, you get that lead, right? You grow, you know, you, you no expectations. So, although I'm not making excuses for Real Madrid, I've been in plenty of those games. I think people need to understand that, you know, players don't, uh, you know, don't operate 100% at 100% all of the time. They just, they just don't. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you can throw, you know, they earn enough money, they're millionaires, this, that, or the other, but there's no difference to different you and I, you know, when we're not playing. Sometimes you have a good day, sometimes you have a bad day. The trouble is, right now, they they have a fat number of bad days, uh, and, and at a club like uh, Real Madrid, expectations are so high, so that's going to get blown over. But, um, you know, credit to Schalke. Um, they they weren't fearful, but at the end of the day, you know, Real Madrid are to the next round. And you know what's fascinating, Yanish, is that we could, we could wait, we could look up a month from now when Real Madrid is playing in the quarterfinals, whoever they end up being drawn with, mm-hmm. and they'll be on a different run, and they'll be a different team, and 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 they won't, we won't have, we won't have, uh, we won't even be think talking about crisis or whether or not they're. I mean, you know, again, La Liga is a different question because Barcelona can impact that, but we could see uh, Real Madrid right back on top in the Champions League in terms of uh, odds on favorites again uh, come a month from now. No, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, we'll see if this is indicative because this is top, you know, tough part of the season right now. Let's not forget that not this well, next weekend, right? It's the classical against Barcelona. So, uh, you know, they got to fix it. and They got to fix it quickly because uh, you know that could be that could go sideways uh, for them, if not backwards, really, in, ter- in terms of psychology overall. Uh, just to take a, a quick look here, while I have a couple more minutes with you, Anish, uh, some of these uh, the other results from uh, from the Champions League uh, this week: Porto getting uh, getting past FC Basel. I mean, both of those teams are, uh, you know, in terms of if, if I'm going to make a basketball analogy, we'll call them mid majors. They're they're good teams in leagues that are of lesser quality and perce- perceived lesser quality than the big leagues of Europe. Porto was obviously the better side. They've got talented players. Hector Herrera has had a fantastic goal. Mm-hmm. Are they are they actually a threat to to make it to the semifinals? Depending on who they get drawn against. Sure. Uh, what would make me say that they're not? I mean, they they've won the Champions League. They continue to show that they 
are arguably the best business club in Europe, the, the players that they buy and the amount of money they sell them for. You know, you have a number of stars everywhere that came out of there. Uh, you know, they've done this, uh, they've done this against, uh, you know, w- without, uh, Jackson Martinez, of course. Mm-hmm. You look at, uh, Casemiro, who's wonderful. Hector Herrera, who we all know from our region, arguably one of the best midfield. I mean, he, he's incredible. Doesn't get enough for ink in my book uh, at all, no matter where we are. You know, we pay attention to it a little bit because, of course, uh, Mexico and U.S. angle, but, uh, you know, a wonderful player. Danilo looks like a big loss. Danilo, by the way, may be playing at, uh, who knows, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, anywhere he wants to play. Uh, you know, this is how good he is. Uh, Alexandro, another Brazilian on the left side, is, you know, a great player. You know, wh- what do you stop? Tell, tell, of course, Barcelona player, just, just plenty of players. So, you know, it's not even as easy to say, you know, it depends who they draw, but this is a, certainly a, a team that you can't overlook uh, because of history, because of who they are. And maybe they're not always tested in their domestic league, but still, you know, have to deal with the likes of, uh, you know, Braga, uh, Sporting Lisbon, and, and, and Benfica. It's not like, you know, PSG are always tested in, in Ligue 1. Um, so, um uh, I don't. I really don't see why why one would look uh, past uh, Porto here. Uh, and the last the last little thing here, uh, I didn't mention that game because it was such a laugher. But seven nil for Bayern Munich over Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, just uh, another an, another um, pleat in Bayern Munich's cape so far this season. And I, I'd imagine that this will certainly set them up for uh, for most people to imagine they'll be a finalist this year. Maybe or maybe not. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not so sure because, you know, uh, uh, this game was, was over in the third minute. Um, you know, uh, so, so you have to look at that result and the subsequent goals a little bit differently, especially if you've watched Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. I mean, they ha- you know, I don't think they've been at their heights. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Pep Guardiola fan from Barcelona. Uh, I still have questions if he's gotten them better. Uh, than the Ukrainian uh, uh, teams, and of course it's hard to go above, you know, the treble that he's had. But I think the way, Bar- you know, Bayern Munich was so dominant in that Champions League, you know, a, a year, uh, um, I don't think I don't think Bayern Munich are anywhere near that. Mm. To be quite honest with you, even though they're kind of running again away when the Bundesliga. But uh, I don't want to call it deceptive, but certainly is. And you know, now you have uh, uh, both Ribery and Robin uh, injured. Although I don't mm. think it's going to be long-term injuries. Uh, but still, uh, you have two players that are key. That, you know, Ribery is just coming back from a long-term injury. You know, uh, uh, there's some question marks about him. Robin uh, uh, probably out for a week or two. Uh, Philip Long is going to come back. Uh, obviously, they've had to deal with injuries, but you know, the, the constant changing of systems at Bayern Munich. I don't think it's a good thing, and I don't necessarily. You know, Pep Guardiola was brought in there to give him maybe a different look, but I still like the Bayern Munich of old. Um, uh, nowhere near, nowhere near the dominance of that Bayern Munich team. So, uh, you know, <laughs> believe me, I, I, I respect them greatly. And, and you're right that they may be in the final and all. But but in terms of this result, uh, um, you know, I'm looking at the first five minutes, all the other goals, um, you know, you know, kicking a man down, really. Uh, wow. That's where it was. Janusz Michalik, Janusz ESPN is his Twitter handle. He commentates on games for... Fox Sports at ESPN. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Giannis. It's always good to have you on talking Champions League. We didn't get to MLS, but maybe we can do that the next time we bring you around. Oh, I'd love to do that. Uh, great start uh, to the season. I'm already looking forward to this weekend. There you go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to grab Gra- Brad Guzon, goalkeeper, Aston Villa, U.S. Men's National Team. Should be a good chat with him. It's Soccer Morning, brought to you by World Soccer Talk. 
Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Hey there, it's Jason Davis, and if you're like me and love playing fantasy soccer games, I want to let you know about a fantastic new game called Draft11.com. This is not your usual fantasy soccer game. Draft11.com is different for two major reasons. First, it's a daily fantasy soccer game, and second, it gives you an opportunity to win cash. So instead of playing an entire season and competing against, say, the 3 million people who play Fantasy Premier League and winning nada... You can play Draft11.com over one match day against up to 10 people. And if your team wins, you win. Cash, not points. So go ahead and support our new sponsor that's helping bring Soccer Morning to you every single day. Head over to Draft11.com, sign up for a free account, and take a shot at trying to win some cold, hard cash. Thanks. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go on the phone line with me now from across the Atlantic Ocean, Brad Guzon, number one goalkeeper at Aston Villa, number one goalkeeper for the U.S. Men's National Team. Brad, how are you? Yeah, doing very well. Excited to be on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate, I appreciate the time, man. I know you're, uh, you're uh, in the midst of a, a, a busy Premier League season. you got the FA Cup run that's still going on, obviously, uh, your your fans over here in the states looking ahead to to what's coming up for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, let me let me just start with your season at, at Villa so far. I mean, it, it it's been a difficult one. You guys have gone through a managerial change. Uh, you know, been drifting around the the relegation zone so far. Uh, you know, how do you deal with that as a as a player? How does the how does the locker room feel about you know trying to pull yourself up, make sure you guys aren't going down this year? Yeah, I mean it's it's not a situation that you know we want to be in as a as a team and as a club and you know it's our job as players uh to try and find a way out of it and, and i think this past week was was a good week for us you know we, we had two really good results one in the one in the fa cup uh and then one league both against west palm so those were those were big games for us and hopefully we can take that confidence and and, uh, and use that going into a big game on Saturday against Sunderland. Uh, that's a that's a derby match uh, against West Brom. Uh, I imagine that right. you've been at Villa long enough that it, that all that's uh, all that rivalry seeped into your blood too. What what's it? I mean, what's special about beating West Brom? How do the fans there in Birmingham respond when you guys beat West Brom? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's 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 about bragging rights. You know, it gives them the ability to go to work the next day and, and maybe talk to their coworkers and colleagues that, that do support West Brom and, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, gives them a, a little bit of, like I said, bragging rights and the ability to, to probably do a little bit of trash talking uh, to them uh, and it puts a smile on their face. And, and when you're able to do that as players, um, you know, it, it makes you feel good. And, and it allows us as players to then go out and, uh, you know, be able to, to go out into the town and, and relax and, for a nice, a nice dinner without having to hide your face or anything. I get a lot of stuff bought for you. I mean, a lot of guys buying you beers and stuff like that or offering to anyway. Uh, sometimes, but uh, <laughs> but more so than not, they're just eager to to say to you know, congratulations, you, well done, um, and just uh, just celebrate. Really, I yeah. mean, uh, like I said, the the past week was was crazy, but but a fun one. 
So you had the, the good week of both of those wins over West Brom, which a couple of different competitions. Obviously, uh, the, the FA Cup win over West Brom gets you to the semifinals. That takes you to Wembley. Um, are you going to get a chance to play? I mean, what's the situation with, with the, the, the plan in the FA Cup for Villa at this point in the year? Um, I mean, obviously, we want to we want to try and win, you know, the the semifinal game and, and get to a final. Um, you know, it's it's not, you know, too often that that players and, and teams get get to uh, not only play Wembley but but have the chance to get to a, a cup final and and having to be the FA Cup. It's obviously a huge competition uh, in English football that that we want to be a part of and we want to put ourselves in a position that gives us a chance to to win the cup and. Uh, you know, going forward, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, will I play or whatnot, I, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. up to my that we, we have obviously a lot of league games before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are going to obviously take, uh, you know, priority before we get to the, the semifinal. But, you know, once we're there, it's, it's going to be completely focused and uh, attention to detail to make sure that we give ourselves the, you know, every opportunity to go and, uh, to go and play in the final. Yeah, you, you, as you said, the, the the league games are obviously going to be very very important. Now, as I mentioned, you have gone uh, the club's gone through a managerial change. Paul Lambert uh, let let go, and Tim Sherwood comes in. What are the what you know What are the differences between these two guys, and what does Tim Sherwood bring to the team that that may help you guys? You know, stay out of the relegation zone, stay up this year, and and maybe go lift a cup. Well, I think you know first and foremost, you know, when you do have a, a managerial change. You know, everyone starts from scratch. You know, players that maybe weren't seeing a lot of playing time under the the previous manager now all of a sudden get uh, a fresh face to try and impress uh, and hopefully get themselves back into the team and and be able to start you know get themselves you know playing games again and and that's what we all want as players is to be able to play games and so um, you know when the new manager comes in there tends to be a bit of a lift uh, just amongst the the team and the squad just from his presence and then on top of that. Uh, you know, he's come in and he's you know, allowed players to to go in and play with freedom. And, and you know, certain players kind of react differently to different situations. And I think now, you know, after after one game and, and then two games of, of, of winning back-to-back games, you know, that gives confidence to, to attacking players. You know, it's no secret that we struggled to score goals this year. And I think winning those two games in the way that we did um, – you know that will give our our attacking players a lot of confidence going forward, uh, and and hopefully that that can continue. I mean, every manager is different. Every uh, manager has a different approach. Uh, some guys are, you know, very rah rah guys. Lots of speeches, that kind of thing. Some guys are are, are more reserved. Is is Sherwood the kind of guy that when he came in, is he the kind of guy that gives you a sense of of what he has planned, either to the group or or in, even individually? Is he talking to you? Is he letting you know what what's going on and and how well he knows? what the situation is there at Villa? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's you know, it wasn't too long ago that he was, he was playing, you know, so he, he understands what it's about to be a player in this league and, and uh, you know, what it takes to survive. And so first and foremost, he knows obviously the situation that we're in, and as we all do, you know, and that's about trying to keep Asandoa Football Club in the, in the Premier League. And, um, you know, that's, that's obviously priority number one, I think, and we want to, we want to do that. And he does that by then giving, um, you know, at the right moments, words of encouragement. He gives a, you know, he, he gives, um, you know, a bit of a, a yelling to in terms of telling guys off if, if they're not doing their job. Uh, he's not afraid to, to let guys know that it's not good enough. Uh, and I think that's important. That's, you need that because it, it, it keeps guys on their toes and it keeps guys hopefully coming at their best. And, 
um, you know, it's only natural for, for, for guys on certain days to drop off and, and what, you know, have the level of, um, consistency, maybe go out the window a little bit. And, and as a manager and as coaches, you know, they try to get the best out of you, you know, 24 seven. And, and I think he's, he's, he's definitely doing that. You know, one of the things that's uh, that's happened to Villa over the, uh, the course of the last year or so is is rumors, and and well, actually not even rumors. It's been announced that uh, the ownership may may be looking to get rid of the club and and move on. How how does that affect you guys? I mean, are you even aware when Randy Lerner says something about ownership of the club? I mean, if it's directly involved directly involving your your job, I imagine you're paying attention. But if it's about ownership, is that something you guys are paying attention to? No, not really. Um you know, we, we need to do our job, uh, jobs as players, and, and that's to try and win, win soccer games. You know, we, we need to try and go out and perform to the best of our ability to make sure um, that we win enough games to stay in the league. And, and when it comes to the ownership stuff, yes, you have to take notice of it, uh, but you, you, don't, you don't look too much into it because it's nothing that we can control as players. Right. Um, so you obviously hear about it. You hear the, the different statements that are made in the press. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, it's it's not for us to worry about. You know, we've we've got enough to, to deal with in terms of trying to win games, and, and that's what our our focus is. Uh, Brad, you're a guy who's um, who's had to wait your turn um, at Villa, certainly for the U.S. Men's National Team, uh, a couple of different times. How is as a, as a goalkeeper? I mean, obviously, we know goalkeepers have a uh, typically have a longer lifespan than than maybe the average field player, and and, and can actually you know reach their peak at a later age. But if you're sitting behind, you know, Tim Howard with the national team, Shea Given or whoever with your club team, how do you how do you go about keeping yourself sharp, and how do you go about making sure that when your chance comes, you're ready to grab it? Yeah, I mean, obviously in those situations, you've you've got to train well, you've got to mentally be strong. Um, you know, I've, I've seen players, you know, a bunch of times, you know, whether goalkeepers, outfield players, where. Um, maybe the situation didn't present itself right away in terms of playing and, and they tossed the towel in and it didn't work out and they went for a change of scenery or, or whatever. They moved clubs or, um, whatever it may be. So for me, uh, this is something that I've always wanted. I wanted to, to be successful and, and, and play in the, in the best league in the world against the best players week in and week out. And when that, when the opportunity came, um, you know, I, I knew that. I had waited a long time for it, and it was a situation where I you never know when the next chance will come. So mm-hmm. you've got to perform week in and week out. And so once you get into the team, you've, you've got to prove to the manager that you deserve to be there, and you do that with your performances. I'm going to ask you about uh, Chivas USA. Um, you know, for, for some of the younger fans out there, you've been in, in England long enough that they may not recall your days playing uh, in L.A., but the team, the team doesn't exist anymore. MLS has shut them down. They've sold the franchise rights to some other, a bunch of other guys, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, right. share with me some some memories of your days at Chivas and, and what you what you felt when you heard that they were shutting the team down. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's a that's a club that obviously gave me my my professional debut. You know, they they allowed me to um, live out my dream of being a professional soccer player and, and playing at the next level after college and. Um, so for me, it'll always hold a, a special place in my heart because, um, you know, it gave me a platform to build from. And, uh, you know, when I heard that, obviously they were, they were going to be no longer, um, yeah, it was, it was obviously a, a sad day. I mean, after being over here for, for the last seven years or so, um, and watching, watching their highlights and, you know, knowing some of their players that had still been playing 
uh, for them just as late, you know, as late as last year, um, watching how they were doing. Um, you know, it was, it was quite obvious that, that a change needed to be made. Um, so I, I know they're no longer obviously in the league and, and they're going to be a new, a new franchise there, a new team. Uh, but for me, GVCSA will always be a, a team that I remember. I, I got to ask you about the national team. We got the gold cup coming up, obviously, um, you know, it's, uh, Tim Howard is, uh, he decided to take a step back from the national team last year. I, I honestly have not noticed what the calendar is on his return or if he even plans to. How does that affect your thinking? I mean, everybody knows Brad Guzan and Nett were, were good there. But when you have a guy like Tim Howard, who you've obviously, you know, I don't know if he's a mentor, but you've obviously played behind him for a long time, kind of, kind of out there and, and whether or not he's going to return to the national team, how does that impact whether, you know, how you go into camp or it does it at all? No, it doesn't change anything that, that I go about doing. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't change my mentality in terms of going and, and wanting to play from a national team. It doesn't change anything in terms of how I train. Uh, and it certainly doesn't change anything in, in how I, how I played during games. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm, you know, 30 years old. I'm just coming into to hopefully the best years of my career, uh, playing in in what people, some people would call the best league in the world, um, playing at a massive at a massive club in terms of Aston Villa. Um, so for me, I feel I feel ready. I feel prepared, um, and it, it's all about going out and proving that that you belong. And like I said, I've always said that it's a it's an honor to represent your country. And for me. Um, you know, hopefully I'll be lucky enough to be a part of the Gold Cup team. Uh, you know, in, in soccer terms, that's that's a long way away. There's a, there's a lot of games sure. and a lot of time between now and then. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I said, hopefully I'm a part of it, and hopefully we can we can have a, a long run into the tournament and, and hopefully um, you know win win another Gold Cup, which would be great. Uh, last thing I'll ask you, and, and if you don't want to comment, you absolutely do not have to, but we talked to Alejandro Bedoya on this show yesterday, and he had a lot of things to say about the MLS CBA, Brad. And, you know, y- y- you've been gone long enough that, that I wouldn't imagine it would be something that you're necessarily on top of, but at the same time, you did play in MLS. You obviously are, uh, you know, emotionally invested in how big the league gets and where it goes. Did you did you did you have any eyes on, on what happened with this CBA and the, the 28 and 8 free agency and all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I obviously noticed and, and try to keep a, a tab on kind of what was happening. Uh, it's hard to do when you're just watching, you know, reading different internet articles and things <laughs> like that, different websites. So it's not always the the best source of of getting your information of of how the negotiations were going and and the talks that they were having. Um, but obviously, it, you know, first and foremost, you you're, you're happy that obviously they they came to an agreement. Um, you know, clearly the players felt that they were able to to get some of the things that they wanted. I'm sure the league felt they were able to get some of the things that they wanted. Um, you know, I know free agency was obviously a big talking point. I don't know the ins and outs of exactly how that that works. I, from what I've been told, I don't think it affects too many players, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's probably uh, not what the players were were looking for. Uh, I'm sure they were looking for a little bit more, but um, you know, hopefully this is this is a time now where the league can really start to grow and and people outside of being players and, and, and coaches, they can start to realize um, that the MLS is, is going to be successful. It is already successful. It will continue to be successful. And it's going to be a league uh, that I think um, 
you know, maybe not in the next two or three years, but eventually down the road, I think is could have the potential to be a, a league where a lot of players from around the world want to come to. Are you going to come back? Are you going back and play in MLS to finish the things out maybe? Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I, I definitely want to come back uh, and, and and finish my career back in the MLS. It's where I started my career. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to get back to be able to play uh, to play in front of friends and family, uh, you know, obviously being a Chicago guy. Um, so at some point, I, I definitely want to uh, – I want to come back when the time is. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the plan. Yeah, the fire should be on notice. Brad Guzon, number one goalkeeper at Aston Villa, number one goalkeeper for the U.S. Men's National Team, heading into a very busy calendar. Brad, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck uh, the rest of the season. Best of luck in and getting to that FA Cup final. We'd love to see you there. Thanks. Appreciate it. Right. Have a good day, man. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines, get your thoughts on everything happening today. Uh, Some news out of Minnesota and their expansion hopes. It's Soccer Morning brought to you by World Soccer Talk. 347-756-6276. Get in now. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning. Brought to you by World Soccer Talk. Thank you to Brad Guzan for a very, very good interview over uh, from over in England where he's obviously smack dab in the middle of a fight with Aston Villa, both uh, on the Premier League front and the FA Cup front. We could talk about Brad and his season so far. We can talk about NYCFC's showdown with the Yankees over the turf turf wars or sod couple sod couple was the pun i was looking for earlier that's the one that's on one of the back pages in new york <laughs> it's not bad it's not bad and as i teased that out of the break there big news out of new i'm uh, uh, sorry out of minnesota we'll get to that in a second 810 you're on the air hey this is brennan from irvine i was actually calling about that uh expansion bid there uh very excited to see uh you know, you Minnesota United uh, kind of get picked over the uh, the NFL bid of yeah. uh, Minnesota. But my question is, I've seen a lot of people reporting, you know, there's one spot left in expansion. And is, you know, after that big thing they held in Miami and, you know, Don Garber was down there, is that is that a, a dead deal? I mean, where people are saying Sacramento might be 24. I mean, it's, I a, just, it's, uh, a, it's a dead deal. A it's a dead deal as long as as David Beckham can't find a place to build a stadium. Until he does, there's nothing happening there. Uh, that big that big uh, press conference was it was all about David Beckham saying, "Hey, I want to bring a team here," but the league not committing to anything. They they made a show of it. Obviously, Don Garber was in it was was there, but they haven't made any progress. And and I don't know where they stand. And we're not hearing any news. I mean. I, I know there's uh, the supporters group that's out there advocating for the team to get a stadium. I know that the that various city councils and, and county boards are voting to have so and so negotiate with Beckham's group, but nothing significant has come out. Meanwhile, you've got Minnesota United with this news, which we'll review in a second, pretty much ready to go. You've got Sacramento pretty much ready to go. You got you even got San Antonio, which already has a stadium pretty much ready to go. I don't know why you would sit around and wait for Miami if you've got these other legitimate bids. I completely agree. I agree. I think uh, Minnesota, I think Sacramento, and 
Uh, less so, but yeah, definitely San, in San Antonio, I'm just, I'm just setting a, a much higher bar, and they're just really killing us. So thanks for taking my call. No dude. problem. There you go. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. Let's get to the actual news. This is from NorthernPitch.com, which is the brand new website from up in Minnesota. One of the guys behind it, our friend Ryan Korstad, who over the years has done fantastic work covering lower divisions in the United States from up there in uh, in Minnesota. Here's your lead. Sources say that MLS has, has provided written support for United's effort in building a stadium in downtown Minneapolis while the team has moved aggressively in recent weeks to make that vision a reality. Northern Pitch has also confirmed that team owner Dr. Bill McGuire recently secured an option to, pur- to purchase a property on Royalston Avenue adjacent to the Minnesota, sorry, Minneapolis Farmers Market and near Target Field, which has long been speculated to be the future stadium site. Multiple sources suggest an announcement of an agreement to bring United into MLS could come within the next month. And that obviously fits the timeline laid out by Don Garber in that halftime interview down in Orlando this weekend, this past weekend. He said it could be 45 to 60 days. Here we are within a couple of days here or there, and a deal could be done and an announcement could be made in Minnesota as early as a month, a, re- a representative from Minnesota United declined to comment on this report. And as our friend in Irvine just said, I think it's heartening to see the bid from the established soccer guys, meaning the guy who owns Minnesota United, who's been running that club for a couple of years now, gets uh, seems to have gotten the bid over the Ziggy Wilf-backed NFL bid. To build a stadium dedicated to a Minnesota soccer club is going to be better. And no offense, Atlanta, but this is true. It's going to be better than sticking an MLS team in a brand new NFL stadium. I, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know the details. I don't know which way the, the public opinion has turned, but I've always gotten the sense that people, obviously United fans would prefer Minnesota United's bid to be the one that gets, uh, that, that gets called, but, you have to imagine here, and, and maybe money's an issue, but you have to imagine that this would be the more successful of the two because they know soccer. Robert in L.A., what's going on? Hey, morning, Jason. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to ask you about um, uh, uh, the way uh, Yankee Stadium and how the pitch looks. I don't know if you talked about it. And- I, I mentioned it off the top. I mentioned the puns that have come out of the... Uh, the um, New York papers there, the tabloids, sod, sod couple and turf wars. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, so I just want to know, uh, just like, you know, uh, I think uh, NYCFC has, has like totally like, you know, they've made mess after mess after mess, and then they always try and spin it. Have they made like, I don't know, have they made their own statement saying how this is a good thing? Have they made a statement saying that it's a good thing? I don't believe that to be the case, but I believe that uh, Jason Kreiss has has shot back at uh, some of the things that were said by uh, said by Mark Teixeira. And, and you know, obviously, it's not a good situation for either club. The Yankees—that's their stadium. They should—they feel like it should be their home and and perfect to their specifications. Meanwhile, NYCFC doesn't have any other options. And I don't blame Jason Christ for being upset. And I don't blame, I don't blame the soccer folks for maybe being a little testy if the Yankees start, start whining about it before a game is even played. Because I will go back and, and, and I maintain this. I will go back and put the responsibility for all of this squarely on the shoulders of MLS, who sold the franchise to Sheikh Mansour before a stadium deal was ever done. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know if you remember it. Uh, it's just, I think when it, the, this, uh, their opening statement or opening game is just going to look horrible because uh, 
they they played a game uh, last summer. It was like I think it was Chelsea and Manchester City, and then I'm a uh, that looked bad, and I'm just afraid that's what we're gonna see again. I I think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be great. Thanks for the call, Robert. Appreciate it. I don't think it's gonna be great. I think the soccer is going to suffer, and I think we might see an injury or two, and that, and this is going to be the problem. And then again, we are going to. I'm going to be. I'm a baseball guy anyway, so I'll keep a. Uh, I'll keep one eye on baseball a little bit too uh, as we go through the summer. But we're going to see the Yankees complain. They're going to lose a game, and somebody's going to say it's because of the turf or because of the the sod or whatever. And it's just going to be. It's it's just going to be gross. It's going to be ugly. Washington, what's up? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Um, I'm a little sick. I, apologize. I see that. Wow, um, man. Get better. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I have my ticket ready for this Sunday and I saw the, uh, the, the piece on the, the daily news. And I got to be honest with you, and this is going to sound a little selfish of me, but I don't want the side to be that great. I mean, I don't want anybody to get hurt or anything like that, but the better the field is, the more complacent it'll be to play there. And ah. I love Yankee stadium, but I want our own stadium. Ah. And the better the field there, the, the worse it is, the more uh, pressure there are on the owners to find the stadium location. You know what? That's not, that's just an interesting point Washington and and look it it actually it it actually benefits not benefits but I mean it's another push to have the Yankees making a bunch of noise because why would NYCFC want to sit around playing in this stadium for multiple seasons and and have to hear the Yankees bitch and complain exactly so you got a point there the longer the better the field is the less complaints there are from the baseball tenant and the main tenant and the owners of the stadium the, the more likely there's some complacency there. Look, I, I think they're trying really hard anyway, Washington, but they are, you would, they are. I, I you mean, would know. I, I've been there before for soccer games. The ground crew does a great job, but there's only so much you can do, especially, and uh, I don't think, you know, once the baseball season gets in the real groove, it's going to be even harder. So, you know, I, I, I take my hat off to Yankee Stadium and the grounds crew, but I have to admit, when I saw the piece in my heart, I thought, well, this is one more piece of fuel for us getting our own stadium. Yeah, I know that sounds a little selfish, but that's how I well, no, no, I, I think it's right for you to be selfish on that front. I mean, it, it, again, I go, I, you're excited, you got your ticket. I don't, I, you know I, know, I know they've sold a lot of tickets. They've opened up the entire stadium. That, that shows that there's something there, that there's some sort of buzz, that there's a reason to put a team in New York. But I, I still maintain that MLS botched this by failing to make sure that there was a stadium deal in place. I know they tried really, really hard at, at Flushing Meadows, and it came to naught. And maybe they thought the Yankees could be the boost to, to their plans, but you got a new you got a new mayor who's not a, who's not too keen on tax breaks and the like. And and, and while <clears throat> while City Football Group has all the money to make this happen, it's a, it's about it's about the real estate in New York, which is going to exactly, be difficult. Which is at a premium. I mean, we're all jammed in here in the five boroughs. So absolutely. To find the place to make a stadium is, I I don't envy their task. No, absolutely not, Washington. I appreciate hey, appreciate care. the phone Bye call, man. Enjoy the match uh, Sunday. Home opener for NYC uh, FC as they take on the New England Revolution there on uh, the poor turf, this, uh, the bad side at Yankee Stadium. Greg, what's up? Jason, long time. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, sorry to pile on here, but a little uh, bit of inside baseball pun completely intended about this sod uh, <laughs> story. Yeah. Uh, this guy that took the photo, Jeff Siegel, he's, uh, this is annoying New York City stuff, but he's, he's like a tabloid photographer that's down at the courthouses. Uh, he takes pictures of people doing perp walks from police stations. He's always downtown in the courts. Um, I know this just from my work. So I find it fascinating that the Daily News would pull him from 
his usual beat, so to speak, and put him on a helicopter and take pictures of the stadium. It just seems like <laughs> they were out to get this team. Oh, and or, oh, I don't know. It's absolutely. Just, the whole thing is just fascinating. And don't you think it's in the Daily News best interest in terms of selling papers to their Yankee fan uh, oh, base to, to do this? Absolutely. They're going to drum up all... Now, I, and I said this before we even... And I'm not, I wasn't obviously unique uh, original in this. I said I can't wait for the rants about uh, about the, the 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 turf and the and the surface and how it screwed up the Yankees season or it lost them a game against anybody but let's say it's the Red Sox or something like that. I can't wait for those things. And I don't I think this is one of those all press is good press in, in terms of soccer. I I I just think that it's going to draw more attention to the team and anybody who's inclined to give them a chance may actually pay attention a little bit more. Baseball fans who are who are against soccer uh, to hear them moan, and again, I'm a baseball guy, love baseball. Right. But to, to hear those anti soccer baseball fans moan is going to be music to my ears. Well, to root for a team that's never covered, except maybe an AP blurb, uh, even after winning a uh, supporter shield, it's it's nice to get coverage. Uh, it's certainly <laughs> nice to get coverage of soccer. Yeah. Uh, I, I just hope that it doesn't uh, further alienate the. Uh, you know the Red Bulls, and they cover all all the teams here in the city. So well, the, yeah, you know. but but you don't have that Red Bull link to any of the other big teams in the city. You don't have. I mean, the the Red Bulls aren't screwing up True. the Yankee season. And, and the Yankees, the Yankees, going to finish third or fourth this year because of this turf? Probably not. But no. but if they do finish third or fourth, then the turf is going to be an issue. And I, and I actually do <laughs> think that Washington had a point, Greg, about right. You know, pushing the team out of Yankee Stadium if this is going to become an annual thing. Yeah, but where where are they going to go? I don't know. The, the political <laughs> will is not there. I mean, they're going to have to find a temporary stadium, maybe up in Westchester. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's nowhere to play. I mean, yeah. Columbia, maybe. I don't know. That's where Red Bulls two is playing. It's it's a very tough thing for them. It's just a tough tough situation. Yeah. By the way, uh, and thanks for the call, Greg. I appreciate sure, it. It man. is a tough Take situation. And if they go to Westchester, they move. They move. They put a stadium outside the city. I will call them out. I will call the league out for that as well because that is ultimately a failure. If you're putting a team. Inside the 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 uh, the city limits of New York, in one of the five boroughs. If the goal is to be a team for the five boroughs, be in the five boroughs. Don't be outside of it. We've got uh, groups for the Gold Cup here. Group A: the United States, Panama, Haiti, and Honduras. Or who is that? Who's G U F? Why am I Why am I blanking on who that is? Group B: Costa Rica, uh, El Salvador, Jamaica, and Canada. Group C. Mexico, Guatemala, Trinidad and Tobago, and Cuba. Yeah, that may be uh, French Guiana. You may be right. It looks like a French flag. So, yes, that it's probably is French Guiana there. Uh, Mr. Trevor, that's why he's the best producer in the game. 347-756-6276. What do you make of this draw for the U.S.? It's not easy. Panama certainly isn't easy. Haiti, okay, maybe they don't give you a, a tough game. You imagine Honduras is going to be there, so Honduras is a tough out as well. That's rough. What do you make of the, the group uh, for Mexico? Guatemala, Trinidad, Tobago, and Cuba. No heavy hitters there. They, one of those teams could give Mexico a fight, but you don't expect them to struggle much. And meanwhile, Costa Rica, the best team in the region, El Salvador, Jamaica, and Canada, that's, that's no easy, easy task either, but certainly the Americans look to have the toughest group in this year's Gold Cup. And look, remember what's on the line here. The United States can win this Gold Cup that means they locked down that Confederations Cup place in 2017 ahead of the Russia World Cup. 
And we know that the United States puts emphasis on the Confederations Cup. They would love to be there. And they'd love to avoid that playoff against whoever wins this tournament if they don't. That would be more than likely Costa Rica or Mexico. 347-756-6276. Give me your take on the turf wars. Give me your take on these, uh, on these Gold Cup groups. Give me your take on the U.S. Women's National Team winning the Algarve Cup over France, avenging, quote-unquote, that loss last, uh, last month in Lorient. And again, building some confidence ahead of the World Cup. Because the way things had gone, yeah, they made the final of the Algarve Cup, but they failed to impress at any point in this tournament. The way things had gone, the loss to France, uh, the game against England, which they won one nothing in unimpressive fashion. All of this stuff was building to this sense the U.S. women weren't good enough to go win a World Cup this year. Maybe they're not, but they showed well in the final here uh, in um, in Portugal, and so now they have an opportunity to build on that momentum. Daniel in Atlanta, what's up? What's up, Jason? What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, thought that the U.S. <laughs> the group stage might be might be kind of tough, like you said. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, I, I would rather them. It's the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup is never much of a struggle until you get down to the final. And it's if if, if there's anything approaching a difficult draw for the U.S., this is it. And and hell, go earn your money, Jurgen Klinsmann. Show me what you got. I mean, it's not it's not the it's it, again. It's not like a tough World Cup group. This is not Germany, Portugal, and Ghana. This is this is different, but it's still in in, in the perspective of of Concacaf a reasonably tough draw. And again, go dominate, go show me Klinsman what you got with this team. What else, Daniel? The U.S. needs to win all of these matches by at least two goals. Oh, ah, I, I mean, in order to what? In order to to make sh- to make you believe that Klinsman's got them going in the right direction. In order for me to believe that Klinsman isn't just taking this job and shoving it up his ass, you know. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, Daniel. That sounds evocative, but I don't even know what. Why would he do? That sounds painful. Why? Why would he do such a thing? What? What else? What else you got, man? Oh man, um, looking at that Mexican group stage, Mexico's gonna come out of it. But um, me being me being a uh, part of Guatemala, you know, I would shit. I would want Guatemala to come out that group stage too. Yeah, well, give me a give me a, a broad sense. Guatemala is one of those afterthoughts in Concacaf, Daniel, because hey, they haven't really done much. But give me a sense here of what Guatemalan football is all about right now. Uh, they they made it second. They lost to Costa Rica last. Uh, when was it? The uh, Copa Centroamericana. Uh, Mexico. That group stage is going to be it's going it's to be a tough fight between Mexico and Guatemala. Guatemala is just you know up and coming. Uh, they've never qualified for a World Cup. No, they can just make up the group stage, maybe make it to the semis. <laughs> okay. No. All right. Well, best of luck to 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 Guatemala in this tournament on your behalf, Daniel. We'll just throw that out there, man. Um, appreciate the phone call. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank yeah, thanks, man. There you go. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. You got a couple minutes here to jump in. I got a couple of tweets here. Eddie in Brooklyn. He's just going off. Just go <laughs> I don't know if Costa Rica has a chance in this group since our players can't quote unquote hold a candle to Mexico's. Who said that, Eddie? Did I say that? I don't think I said that, right? Somebody else said that. Three two one, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing, Jason? I'm good. Who's this? 
This is uh, Galen from Brevard County. What's Florida. going on? What's going on in uh, in Florida, Galen? Um, it's getting really hot. Uh, not enjoying <laughs> it, but uh. So what's I just want to uh, I want to uh, um, assess that the uh, the U.S. Even though they did have a really tough group and they did well in the World Cup, um, I don't think they're the same team anymore. They've looked really unmotivated in these last uh, couple friendlies. Do you think they can still make it out of the out of the group in the Gold Cup? The United States. Yes. They absolutely should. If they don't, it's a disaster and Klinsman gets his ass fired. I mean, well, but, I mean they, they the have not, look, while they have not, uh, while they have not looked impressive. No, I understand. While they have not looked impressive and the results were bad and they, they it took a, you know, it took a, a half decent performance to get people to even believe in them again. Those were friendlies. This is the Gold Cup. If he calls up his best team, and this is supposed to be the tournament where you do that, I believe. You call up your best team. The United States should walk that group. They should well, walk. We had it. a lot. Of, we had a lot of our uh, our best players in those friendlies, I think. And even though it's MLS preseason and and whatever, um, I think that's still where you need to go out and prove yourself and and be at your best to earn the that spot in the competitive until, international matches. Until until look, they're gonna they're gonna lead up to that Gold Cup. Until I see something that makes me believe the United States is not good enough to win a group with Panama, Haiti, and Honduras, I'm gonna say they're gonna win the group. I, I they they have the most talent of anybody in that group. They they okay. they're gonna be playing those games on home soil. I don't believe for any reason that the United States won't advance from the group stage. Whether or not they go win the tournament is a different question. How far do you see them going in the tournament, though? Uh, final. Because they'll be on the opposite side of, uh, from the, of the bracket from Mexico. So, uh, they sh- well, they should be. I'm not sure. Well, actually, what? I, Costa Rica may be the top seed. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. They're going to run into Costa Rica or Mexico at some point, and that's when we're going to find out if they're good enough when they play one of those two teams. Because for me, those are the only teams that can really give them a run here um, and, and keep them from winning this title. Now, again, Panama's good, but they're not that good. Honduras is tough, but they don't play good soccer, and they, and they shouldn't be that tough at home in the United States. Beyond that, give me a, another team that's even a threat. Uh, good enough point. I just wanted to, you know, they, they're definitely, at this point uh, last year, you know, going into the World Cup, um, I don't think there would have been a doubt that USA could win this this if they're in the in the same position. But now they, they just look a totally different team to me. Okay, fair enough. I mean we'll have to see what happens. Nine two nine, you're on the air. So sorry for the wait there. Who's this? Hi. Hi. Who's this? And they're gone. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. Just a quick hi and a couple of button pushes. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's okay. I, again, I don't, I don't look. Galen is down on the national team. I get why he's down on the national team, but until, 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 until they show that they can't beat Panama or Honduras on, on American soil, I can't imagine. I can't imagine them not getting deep into this tournament. Again, whether or not they win is a different question. Luke, uh, Lucas from Arkansas, Lucas from Kansas, excuse me, Luke, 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 Lucas from Kansas on Twitter. It's Jurgen. You never know who's, who he's going to bring into camp. I think this cup goes to Mexico. Wow. All right. Well, again, that putting the cup in Mexico's hands, that's no stretch. 
whether or not the United States is the team that they take it, uh, the team that they beat to get there, or Costa Rica, or Costa Rica beats the United States, or, or whatever. Again, those are conversations we can have, and and we still got some time. There's still there's still time before we get there. Who knows who first choice anything is going to be? Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, Brad Guzan in net. Who's your starting center backs? What are you doing? Jermaine Jones going to be in that spot? Lots of questions to answer. I'd like to see something out of Jurgen Klinsmann when it comes to putting together a coherent team that can win this tournament. We all would. This I, I don't know that this is a rubber-meets-the-road tournament for Jurgen Klinsmann. He's got a World Cup under his belt. We kind of gave him a pass, though, because of the difficulty of that group in Brazil. You don't get a pass in the Gold Cup. I don't think that not winning the Gold Cup means he necessarily loses his job. In fact, I don't think he loses his job, period, unless it's an absolute disaster. But not winning the Gold Cup would make us question him even more than we already are. All right, let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Thursday. Thank you again to Giannis Mihalik and Brad Guzan for appearing on the show. Both excellent conversations. If you missed it, go get the podcast at iTunes. Give us a rating and a review over there. That helps a lot. By the way, check out draft11.com. Daily fantasy soccer where you can win cash is pretty cool. They're supporting the show. Uh, we love it. Uh, make sure you go to backheel.com slash store. Buy yourself a mug. It's a soccer morning mug. It's got the lovely logo as designed by the guys at 3-0. And go to 3-0fc.com to get your T-shirt as well. Trevor, what am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something. Do we have an email address? I never hit up anybody for emails. DavisJSN on Twitter. Soccer morning on Twitter as well. Long live Tiago Silva. That's uh, Trevor's parting shot. Okay. I mean, sure. Long live Tiago Silva. Um, let's see. Viva PSG, right? I mean, I'm not anti-Chelsea, really. Not really. I like, jo- I like Jose. He's a jerk, but I like him. Ale PSG. Yeah, let's go. I took French. I should know that. Ale PSG. All right, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Friday edition of the program. See you then. Bye.